Welcome to episode 195 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. I am your host today, Philip Slavin. Uh, Joel Penfield taking this one off. Uh, look, we're not going to do a whole lot on the football game. The win over Baylor probably should. But it, let's be honest, Baylor was missing almost 50 players and coaches. Like Props to Oklahoma State. Nice win to end the regular season. Finish 7-3. and three. Got all 10 games in, which I think is huge. Not everyone's getting to play all the games on their schedule. I think getting to play a full 10-game schedule is awesome. I know we would have liked better than a 7-3, and three, especially this year. But with everything that Oklahoma State has dealt with, it's not the worst thing that could have happened. When Oklahoma State gets that win, now we wait to find out where they are going to play their bowl game, assuming they get to play a bowl game. And look, folks, looking at the projections, it could be the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando against probably Miami. It could be the Texas Bowl in Houston against Arkansas. Please no. Uh, it could be the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, again, against another SEC team, which could be Tennessee or Kentucky. This is, it's so weird. I've never seen this late in the season, not having a good feeling on where your team is going to go bowling. But that's because, again, we're seeing teams opt out. Kansas State has, Texas Tech has, which in normal seasons, bowls would opt out of taking them because they have losing records. But this is 2020 and it is what it is. Um, so we just don't know. So we'll obviously probably find that out on Sunday after the Big 12 championship game has been decided between Oklahoma and Iowa State. So we'll wait to see that. We'll obviously talk about that on the net pod next week. Uh, we do have a guest today. I am not just going to sit here and rant by myself. Cody Nagel, go Pokes, covers Oklahoma State recruiting, going to join us. We're going to recap early signing day for Oklahoma State. Their 2021 class is pretty well done. 23 of the 25 possible scholarships for the class are spoken for, leaving just two. Of course, we'll talk about those two, what might come from them, talk about a lot of the guys that were added. And I just realized after we recorded this, I forgot to talk about Tekelvi and Beeman uh, moving up and reclassifying from 2022 to 2021 and adding to an already pretty solid defensive back class for Oklahoma State this year. Lots to talk about with Cody uh, yes, uh, we recorded this after Oklahoma State lost to TCU in their Big 12 opener. I could sit here and talk about that game and talk about the fact that Oklahoma State allowed TCU to shoot over 50% from the court. Uh, I could talk about how the refs basically decided to help bail out TCU toward the end of that game and swallow their whistles. I could talk about the fact that Oklahoma State couldn't hit the broadside of the barn and that they couldn't hit their free throws. I don't want to do any of that because I cursed in front of my five-month-old child after that game, so I'm feeling a little bit uh, not great about myself. So we're just not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're going to just wait and uh, see what happens in Austin on Sunday. So I won't take up any more of your time just sitting here ranting and rambling. Uh, let's go ahead and get Cody in here. Uh, before we do, let's, uh, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Obviously, Wednesday was a big day. 
early National Signing Day, although at this point we might as well just call it Signing Day because, I mean, most of the kids uh, sign from each class in December now, though there are always some stragglers left behind for the, uh, I guess, later signing period. Uh, Joining us today from Go Pokes, Cody Nagel, who covers Oklahoma State recruiting for 24-7. Cody, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, just first, before we get started, um, just so everyone is aware, uh, when we talk about recruiting and if we're going to talk about rankings or, or ratings or star ratings for any of the players, everything we're doing is going off of 24-7's numbers. Um, it's the site that I prefer to use. Uh, no offense to ESPN or Rivals, but I think 24-7 does the best job, uh, as the most accurate job, and... Uh, to clarify real quick, Cody, so that everybody understands this, um, sometimes when we talk about a recruit, you'll see people talk when they write or they, they tweet about a guy and they'll say he's a four-star, uh, and then you go to 24-7's page and it's like, this looks like this is a three, so what are we talking about a four? Um, there is a difference between the composite rankings and 24-7's rankings. So what 24-7 does is they have a composite rankings, which is a combination of 247, Rivals, and ESPN, which is all of the recruiting guys kind of combined into one ranking. It kind of... Um, averages it out and then 24 7 has their own ranking which their guys have put down is that am i explaining that accurately yeah yeah that's correct the positive is just an industry generated um score and then we've got our own too so okay okay awesome so uh, to, to clarify or just explain, um, if you go to Go Pokes and you go to the uh, football commits for 2021 or all the guys that have signed, you'll notice there are two four-stars in Aiden Kelly, defensive tackle out of Thomas, and four-star uh, wide receiver Bryson Green out of Allen, Texas. That is the composite ranking. So when there's two four-stars there, but if you go just by 24-7's rankings, which is their recruiters and what they how they view it, Oklahoma State actually has five four-stars. Kelly and Green, of course. Colin Oliver, uh, linebacker out of Edmond. Uh, safety Ty Williams out of Muskogee. Uh, and uh, Nick Martin, uh, listed as an athlete out of Texarkana, Texas. But I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nick is going to play... Linebacker. Thank you. I just... <laughs> he's I the, he's the one that's the... He's the one that's the the two-way player that, that also plays running back. Um, okay. but he's just too physical of a guy not to put him on the defensive side. I mean, he, he's going to be at the linebacker position. Um, and honestly, I think he fits in in perfectly with the, the Jim Knowles type defense. And, um, you know, he, he really reminds me of, uh, uh Eamon Ogbong, um, and, and Malcolm, Malcolm Rodriguez. So, yeah, he'll be playing linebacker. Okay. So let's just start there. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball. That is the strength of this year's class, which uh, at this point is ranked 36th nationally, a third in the Big 12, according to, to 24-7. I mean, it's the defensive side. You, we, we listed off these guys that are five stars by 24-7 rankings. That's a defensive tackle, a line, uh, two linebackers, and a safety. Um, I mean, Look, Oklahoma, I'm not saying that Oklahoma State is shifting its philosophy into a defensive team, but you have to be excited about this class from that side of the ball because it is just loaded with defensive talent. Yeah, I mean, as much as Oklahoma State's been known for you know their offense in the recent years, 
Um, I mean, just um, looking at the composite rankings, um, I believe nine of the top 10 of the highest rated uh, signees project on the defensive side, um, or maybe maybe it's eight of the top 10, something like that. Um, but, you know, it's a very top-heavy um, defensive class. Um, and, yeah, like you, you, like, like you mentioned, Aiden Kelly, um, Colin Oliver, Ty Williams, those are all in-state guys, too, that – that Oklahoma State was able to to keep um, and bring bring in from their backyard, basically too. Yeah, I mean, Mike Gundy talked about keeping a focus in Oklahoma State and that or in Oklahoma, and that's a big thing for them. I do think in some years that works better than others. I think that this class in the state is a really deep and very talented class. I think from top to bottom, you some, some years you see a lot of really good guys at the top and then some quality. I think the depth this year, one through 10 really is really, really good. And one of the better Oklahoma classes we've seen in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, and they even missed on some pretty talented guys um, in the state, um, but they were still able to secure um, some, I mean, like I said, Kelly, Oliver, Williams, some pretty good in-state guys. I mean, you talk about, you know, some of the guys that they missed, um, you know, A.J. Green from Tulsa Union comes to mind. Um, Bryce Stevens from uh, from John Marshall also comes to mind. You know, there were some, um, you know, pretty good in-state guys that, that they didn't quite get, um, but, but still a very solid um, group of in-state guys in this class. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but there's I believe there's seven in-state guys in this class and that should be the most um in the Gundy era if you know of course they all get onto campus then yeah of course yeah I I would say Arkansas kind of did a really good job in Oklahoma I don't know who their Oklahoma recruiter is but but Arkansas has put an emphasis I think the one guy and we'll focus on our class I think the one guy that I, I look at and go I can't believe you let him get away would be cornerback uh, Tevin Williams who from Stillwater and is going to Baylor. I think it's 24-7 has him as a, a four-star uh, corner now. He's ranked as the number seven player in the state. I think that's the only one to look at and go, man, how did you let him leave town and go to Waco? Yeah, I'm not sure what, what the situation is there. And I, I mean, you know, if they did pass him up, there's probably some some bad blood there. And I'm sure you're going to, you know, you'll see him in a few years when obviously they play every year. So um, you're going to match up against him and um, hopefully they're not regretting, you know, extending an offer to him um, down the road. Yeah. So I don't want to get too far in the weeds in talking about, about recruiting and philosophies. I know that look, Oklahoma state's class is ranked number three in the big 12. It, it is a good distance behind Oklahoma and Texas. That's just there to some extent that's kind of how it is and while i don't necessarily disagree that i don't think mike gundy is as avid and aggressive recruiter as he used to be i do think sometimes we we put too much focus on stars and not as much on oklahoma state knows the kind of guys that they want and i really think that that emphasis comes out especially at corner and in the in, in the, the defensive backfield um, Mikhail Smith listed as an athlete, uh, Cam Smith listed as an athlete, um, Nick Martin listed as an athlete. You've got a couple of guys that are playing corner or linebacker that are, are play multiple positions, multi-sport guys, super athletic. And if you look at what Oklahoma state and Jim Knowles has been doing with this defense uh, at a certain point, you kind of have to go, 
Redarius Williams, AJ Green. Uh, now you've got Jared Bernard Converse and go, maybe we should trust that they kind of know what they're doing as far as evaluating guys who maybe aren't just true top-end corners, but are guys that they can develop and really turn into good players. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gundy talked about it today. He loves, loves, loves those multi-sport athletes. Um, you know, I'm not sure of the exact number in this class, but I'm pretty sure over half of them um, are either multi-sport athletes or um, play, play both sides of the ball. Um, I'll have to admit, you know, I haven't followed OC recruiting for very long, but I think I do have a good enough, you know, indication that Gundy and his staff look for those um, just uber athletic guys um, and are able to develop them skill-wise. Um, you know, you think about a guy like Ty Williams who plays safety, cornerback, and also quarterback on the offensive side. I mean, it's not often you see a guy um, that plays, you know, a quarterback and also plays on the defensive side, especially in, um, let's see, Muskogee's class 6A2, I believe, um, mm -hmm. in Oklahoma. So, you know, and Gundy raved about him today, um, you know, called him, a, oh, what did he use to describe him? A, a freakish athlete. Um, you know, <laughs> the biggest thing that, that he, um, the biggest thing with Ty Williams, though, is how he comes back from injury. Um, I'm just curious to see how he handles that. You know, he missed all but, I think, one game this season. I think he came back for the playoff game um, that they lost. Um, so just something to watch there. Um, just see if he's still got the, um, you know, skills that he had before the injury there. Yeah. Um, so like I said, corner and safety seem really good. I think the defensive side of the ball. I do want to talk about, it, it, it's weird to me, that the offense feels like the weak side and i and i don't want to i don't want to like talk poorly about it i think they're loaded on wide receivers they got five wide receivers in class including the the green twins um they've got Jaden bray out of norman who i like and then john paul richardson who i haven't i haven't watched enough tape on to do a, a fair judge but i'll trust uh casey dunn and his judgment of, of pass catchers but outside of the wide receiver group it feels like Oklahoma State took a lot of shots and missed them this year, um, especially at, at a couple of positions. And I want to focus on running back first. Obviously, they, they get Jaden Nixon out of uh, Frisco, Texas, and, and that is a nice pickup. And then we saw them today. One of the surprise additions was uh, Jalen Warren, transfer running back from Utah State, who I believe has two years if he wants them because of the the covid stuff is that accurate right yeah he if you take out the extra year he should only have one year of eligibility um but you know i think we're all still kind of confused on if that stuff's gonna work and everything um but yeah he could potentially have two years of eligibility um or or one i guess so yeah so i wish you had a lot of running backs they went after because this is a class where you look at the roster. Desmond Jackson, you in theory, will be back a year. You have true freshman Donovan, uh, Dominic Richardson, who counts against this class, by the way, so everybody knows. We'll get to the scholarship count in just a second. Um, you know you're losing Chuba. Uh, DeAndre Glass is into the transfer portal. We don't know about L.D. Brown at this point. So you are adding two. So in theory, you have four running backs on, on scholarship. That's about at least where you want to be. Do you think that is Jalen Warren just an insurance policy? I know they're still going after Alton McCaskill. I'm going to say that wrong. I don't feel great about 
OSU's chances with him. Um, I'm not sure where, where you kind of feel. I know he's kind of been all over the map or, or just really quiet. But how are you feeling as far as Oklahoma State and at the running back position? Um, you know, it is a little concerning, you know, the guys that they missed on. Um, you know, I think they were kind of waiting out as long as they possibly could for Alton. Um, you know, he's, as of the end of today, still unsigned. Um, you know, I don't know. He's kept, he's kept his recruitment very close to the vest, um, has been very quiet in recent weeks. So there's not really anybody that has a clear understanding of um, where he stands or if he's going to sign during this period or if he's going to wait till February. Um, but I think that's a guy that, you know, if, if Oklahoma State is able to sign, I think you feel a little bit better of, you know, the skill positions in this class. Um, but yeah, I do think Jalen was probably an insurance policy. Um, you know, as much as Oklahoma State struggles with injuries this year, I mean, you lose Chuba and LD at the end of the year. I mean, there's two running backs. If that same thing happens next year, you're talking about having to go to a walk-on if, if LD Brown does leave. So I think that was probably more of an insurance policy pickup. Um, and my guess is they're still going to go after Alton. Um, but like, like I also said, you know, it's up in the air as far as, you know, where, where he stands right now. I'm curious to me. We know the guys for sure that have announced that they're leaving. We know Tube is gone. We, we know Tylon's going to be gone. We know that um, Devin Jenkins is gone. We know that Radarius Williams is gone. Outside of that, I mean, you're, there's quite a few seniors on this roster. LD Brown, as we mentioned, Desmond Jackson technically is one. You've got like Landon Wolf, Dylan Stoner, uh, Rye Schneider at the offensive line. Basically, all your starting linebackers and, second, and two deep there. Has, has anyone said anything as far as that they might be coming back and utilizing this bonus season that everybody gets? Not that we've heard, um, you know, and Gundy even said that, or he was asked about that today. He goes, you know, have you had, or he was asked, have you had any conversations with those players um, about, you know, potentially coming back? Um, and he said, no. And he said, you know, we'll find out after the bowl game when they're supposed to, you know, come report back for workouts, um, you know, after New Year's. And he said, you know, if the ones that don't show up, we know they're gone. And if they come back, it, I guess we have them back for another year. So, um, you know, we haven't heard anything as far as, um, you know, what players could possibly use that extra year of eligibility. Um, and, and again, it also just depends on, you know, what the NCAA finally decides to do. Because, I mean, to me, that's all sort of up in the air. So the other position group I think that's really concerning for OSU in this class is the offensive line. And this is a position group that's gone through a lot of attrition this season. Like we said, you you know Tevin Jenkins is gone. I think as you lost three before the season that we're supposed to play, and two, including two underclassmen that would still be technically playing for a few more years. Jenkins is gone, assuming that Rye Schneider is going to leave your starting center. And we don't know if Josh Sills wants to utilize his extra year or two as i say air quotes i have a hard time i think everyone's confused with this whole like bonus year and i don't even like operating yeah yeah like, thinking about it because i don't think most players are going to use it so i don't want to like operate with like well he technically he has like yes technically he has two but let's not op let's operate with the idea that he's not going to use because it also not to interrupt but it also depends on whether the school wants them back i mean it's not a yeah. it's not a for sure thing that they're guaranteed a scholarship because you know especially with, you know, COVID and everything and budget cuts, 
athletic departments don't have all the money in the world right now to, you know, give up extra, you know, scholarships and stuff like that. So, but yeah, not, not to interrupt, but I just, just wanted to add that in there. No, it's a great, it's an absolutely great point. Like, yes, you can go over the scholarship limit, but can you afford to go over the scholarship limit is, is a really big question. So assuming Josh Sills come back, I mean, you've got a lot of young guys. You're, you've lost quite a bit. You need to replace quite a few players. You and you you want to bring in about four offensive linemen a season. Is that about a, is that fair? That's typically how I look at it. Yeah, I mean anywhere from from three to five. Um, you know, three being on the low end, five being on the high end. So yeah, four would be you know an ideal number. So OSU is at the low end at this point. You have uh, three-star Silas Barr, who plays both ta- offensive ta- line and, and defensive end. Uh, you bring in Logan Nobles out of Jenks, who's an offensive tackle. And look, I like I like the potential of both, but neither one feels like an, an early impact guy. You land uh, Caleb Etienne, Juco kid out of, out of uh, El Dorado, Kansas, from Butler Community College. Um, he's not coming early, if as I understand, which... You just never know a JUCO guys how quickly they're going to adapt. It's, I think sometimes fans think, "Oh, he's JUCO. He should hop right in and be ready to go." And I think there's a bigger transition from JUCO to Power Five than most fans realize. Yeah, that that's definitely accurate. And you know, I've seen a lot of excitement about, "Oh, that Caleb Etienne is is a plug-in guy next year." I'm a little hesitant about that just because you know it is JUCO. And also, I mean, you think about the guys that that Oklahoma State has has plugged in this year. Even, I mean, once they get another you know off season under their belt, um, I think you're going to see a lot of improvements on on the line. And is Caleb Etienne going to come in in the fall and be better than you know those guys? You know, you think of um, Jake Springfield, and you know, I guess possibly Hunter Anthony after he comes back from from injury. Um, you know, is, is he going to be better than those guys in his first semester on campus? Um, so that's that's something to watch um, as far as the offensive line there. It it feels like I know there's a couple other guys that are uncommitted that OSU has offered. Eric Cade, who I I mean, I'll just offering my opinions. I don't think he's coming. Jordan Moko, who I don't think is coming. And if you feel differently, please. Um, you are much closer to this than I will ever be. So if, if, I, I, if you disagree, hop in and tell me so. Um, I don't feel good about any of the guys that they are off, have offered that are currently uncommitted. Um, I know everyone's excited because Jaden Roberts decommitted from Auburn. I'm not I'm not going down that path, folks. Like just like he's not going to make any decisions until Auburn hires a new head coach. And I, I don't think OSU is going to be the second option if he doesn't go back to Auburn. I, I'm just worried about this class because it had so much promise. There are a lot of studs that were interested in Oklahoma State, had them in their top schools, and then OSU kind of missed out on. So you have that situation. It puts more pressure on 2022 where you've already lost an offensive line commit. I'm going to give all the credit in the world to Charlie Dickey for what he has done as the offensive line coach this year. He has done a, I would say he has done the best coaching job at Oklahoma State this season for what he's had to deal with and to continue to produce really truly effective offensive lines throughout the duration of the season or as best as they can. But I, I am, I am a little bit concerned with how recruiting has gone with this season and looking ahead to next year. Is there, am I wrong there or, or how, how are you kind of viewing it? I mean, you think about the guys that they, 
I mean, they were close on so many, you know, high three-star, four-star offensive linemen. They were in their top groups, um, you know, top 10, top five, you know, top three for some of them. Um, and most of them, if not all of them, they missed out on. I mean, you, you know, you talk about Jaden Roberts, um, four-star from um, the, the Houston area, I believe. Um, you know, he decommitted from Auburn today, um, said he wants to um, – I guess wait until Auburn hires a new head coach to to see where things stand there. Um, it actually sounds like there's the potential that that he, I guess, could sign with Alabama in this signing class right away. Um, so that that already takes him out of the question. <laughs> I mean, just looking at the the crystal ball predictions today, you know, shortly after he said that, there was three or four, or even five, I think, that came in for Roberts to go to Bama. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think there's a chance really for, for him to come to OSU. Um, but, you know, you mentioned um, Jordan Moko. I, I think that OSU's chances keep getting better and better when you think about the connections that they have to Snow College. Um, you know, you talk about the, the defensive end. Um, oh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, Nathan, I don't want to pronounce this wrong either. Nathan Lato. Um, defensive end from Snow College that Oklahoma State picked up late. Um, you know, he's obviously a teammate of Jordan's. Um, there's a connection there. Um, Jalen Warren, he started his JUCO career out at Snow College. Um, Oklahoma State has um, one player that's a graduate of Snow College, um, Sione Asi, um, defensive tackle, I believe. Um, he was from Snow College. Um, but yeah, the connections to out there in Utah are continue to grow. I mean, you have to give have to give credit to development specialist Benny Tonga um, for getting those guys out of Utah and really trying to establish sort of a pipeline, I guess you could say. Um, and that might just lead to um, OSU being able to, you know, possibly land um, Jordan Moko, who's you know the top JUCO offensive tackle in this class. So. If they're able to do that, which which he said he's not making a decision this period, he's going to wait until February. So Oklahoma State has time to continue to build that relationship. Um, but if they are able to secure him and bring him in, I think it, overall you do feel probably a lot better about this offensive line class if you're able to bring him in. Yeah, no, I mean, that would be a, a very nice piece to add anytime you get it. I know it's Juco, but top rated offensive line or offensive lineman, offensive tackle is, is still a big deal. Yeah. I look Tonga. He used to work at snow college. Isn't that right? I'm trying to remember the, yeah, he used to work there. Of course he's an OSU alum. And then he's back here at Oklahoma state and doing a, I I think he is of OSU's setup and the way they handle recruiting is interesting to me. Um, I almost wonder if sometimes the other guys do a better job than the actual coaches themselves. Um, I don't want to, I'm not going to name any names because I don't want, I don't want to dog anybody. Um, <laughs> right. but I think Tonga is one of those guys that I look at and go, at some point he's going to get a position job just because he needs to be able to actually be a recruiter. Cause I think he has done a, an excellent job for Oklahoma state bringing in some really, Maybe not the stars, but some really impactful players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're definitely right. 
um, I don't remember exact. I can't think off the top of my head what position he was at um, at Snell College. Um, but yeah, that connection there is is going to to benefit Oklahoma State for for at least a few more years would be my guess. And you know, hopefully he doesn't move on to to a different college. Hopefully they're able to to keep him on and maybe promote him to you know some position coach if if anything opens up like that. So. Uh, he was the running backs coach at Snow College. That's right. Yep. And came over in 2013, I believe. Yeah. Right. So, so he's been, been here been... for a while. So, yeah. Yeah. Quite a while. Um, yeah. So offensive tackle, uh, running back. I, I'm, I'm going to be a little critical here. And, and I don't, I don't want to put you in a spot, tough spot. You don't need to criticize. You can. And again, let me say, any please feel free to interrupt if you're just like, no, you're off base, you're wrong. Um, Oklahoma State, State made the decision this year not to recruit a quarterback. I, I understand that Gundy's son is, is technically part of this class. Um, but I could argue with the stroke. Obviously, they have, they have three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Spencer Sanders will be entering his junior year. Uh, Shane Ellingworth, who will essentially get to be a redshirt freshman. Uh, I know he played in games, but you know this year is what it is. And Ethan Bullock. I don't want to be mean. I think we've seen enough of Bullock to know that he is what he is. Um, Sanders still has a lot of room to grow, and, and Ellingworth still feels like he's he does as well. Uh, I'm not dogging Gundy's son. However, when you look around the landscape of college football and players transfer all the time, things change, you never know what's going to happen. It does feel very dangerous to me that Oklahoma State chose not to go and recruit a quarterback for this class. I'm going to, I'm going to put this in a way so I don't put you in an awkward position. Um, how do you feel about that decision not to go after a quarterback, Gundy son aside? Oh man, that's something I've thought about for a while, and I, I understand it, but I also, you know, wonder, you know, why not try getting, you know, a high three-star, um, potentially, you know, four-star quarterback again, just so you do have that. I mean, in my opinion, I'd rather have more quarterbacks, more, you know, talented quarterbacks on the roster, and have more competition then be left short and you know injuries pop up all the time as we again saw this year and you're stuck mm -hmm. in a situation where you're having to put in a, a juco guy who has no power five or division one experience um yeah I, I mean i but i do understand you know i mean if you think about it gundy's son is a walk-on but he would be on scholarship probably if Gundy wasn't the head coach, if if that makes sense, because he's the coach's son. I they're not going to put him on a quote unquote scholarship, if you want to mean. Sure, but I would all I could also argue he wouldn't be here if he wasn't Gundy's son. Right, right, right. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to be blunt. Um, it's a very complicated situation. I understand the argument that people didn't offer him because he was Gundy's son, and they all thought he was going to come to Oklahoma State. But the, the the really talented quarterbacks, that doesn't matter. If they want you, they're going to come after you. And I believe the only other offer he had was from Eastern Michigan. 
And I understand the argument of everyone knew he was coming to OSU, just assumed he was coming to OSU, even though there was some vocalization of, no, he wants to consider other things too. Don't waste your time sort of thing. Yeah. But at the same time, that doesn't stop. Uh, when you get the, um, I'm th- Chad Morris's son, that didn't really stop them, other schools, from going after Chad Morris's son. And I understand Chad Morris's son went to Oklahoma, and he, he made this decision. And maybe Gundy and his son were very just like, no, he's going to OSU, you're wasting your time, don't bother with the scholarship. But schools don't seem to care that much to throw scholarships out there to see if it'll work or not. So I... I I, I, I don't want to. I'm, I'm. This all. This whole thing seems to put him in a really uncomfortable position, and some of that's that's their choice and Gundy's coach Gundy's choice, and and so those questions are going to have to be asked whether they're uncomfortable or not. But the quarterback recruiting at Oklahoma State has been a, an issue for a while. It's technically, I think why we saw the gap between. Rudolph to Sanders and they had to play Cornelius for a year and props to Cornelius for winning the games that he did. But, um, and, and now you have Shane Ellingworth. I just, I kind of question, it feels like Gundy just doesn't want to bring guys in that are going to transfer and all the best guys seem to want to transfer. And you, in this day and age, you can't play the, I don't want to, I don't want to recruit them because they might transfer game because that's only going to bite you. And it, this season, let's be honest, OSU was a, a, a hurt Ellingworth away from, losing a lot more games. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. And, I mean, like I said, it's a very, seems to be sort of a complicated, you know, you can argue each different side, and I understand both sides. Um, But I will be curious, you know, once, um, oh, man, I'm blanking on his name now. This is Gunner, right? Yes. Uh, I wanted to to say Gavin, but not that one. No, I was like, no, it's not Gavin. Gunner Gundy. It's the middle son. (laughs) Right, it's the middle son because the oldest one went to Arkansas, and is there or is he the youngest one? There's three boys, right? Yes, yes. Okay. This is this is Gunner that we're talking about. Too right. many, too many yeah. G names. But anyways, <laughs> um, stupid alliteration. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting once he officially, you know, joins the program next semester, as mm-hmm. what I believe is planned as of now, and then I believe Gundy can probably answer more questions and take more questions as far as that because I think right now he's even though he is his son he's probably still limited on you know what he can comment as as far as that stuff I mean you don't break any recruiting violations or anything like that Um, so yeah it'll be interesting you know once once Gunner is on campus and a part of the team um, you know how Gundy explains this this whole situation and not not going after a quarterback and you know, he even said today, you know, he was asked, I believe Jenny Carlson in Oklahoma asked him, you know, are you still going to look at going after a quarterback? And, you know, he kind of gave the bland answer of, you know, we're always looking at, you know, what's out there. I mean, we're always, you know, searching, you know, whether it's the transfer portal or, you know, prospects that suddenly rise after their senior, senior year and stuff. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how he answers all this stuff. I think it puts that much more pressure similar to the offensive line on the 2022 class of, because they only offered two quarterbacks in 2021 anyways. And right now there's only six offers for 2022 and one of them is Quinn Ewers. So no, Um, I think it puts more pressure on like you need, you have to bring in a quarterback every class. I I, I don't, I don't care. Like you have to, like to me, it's, 
because of the transfer portal, because this is such a commonplace thing, because we see quarterbacks transferring. And I know you can just bring a guy in, but OSU's never been a – they're not OU. They don't bring a, guy, a super talented guy in for a season to, to stop gap. That's just not how they are. And, I, you know, again, props to Taylor Cornelius, but the whole, like, let's play the former walk-on stuff. Like, you need to recruit a quarterback every year. So I think it puts more on, on 2022 and trying to land a guy. So that's definitely a position group that we'll keep an eye moving forward. Um, okay, so we uh, we had today, you know, 20 kids out of high school signed their letter of intent. One transfer, of course, as we mentioned, in Jalen Warren running back. Um, that's, that's 21. 25 scholarships a year, but you also have to take into effect that Dominic Richardson counts against this season. And uh, Dave Ontavian, or Martin, or, or D. Martin. Tay Martin. Uh, the, whatever Tay you want. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, whatever. Uh, the uh, transfer wide receiver from Washington State count against this season as well. So, really, Oklahoma State's used up 23 of their 25 available scholarships for this class. That, that really only leaves two, unless they want to, again, count a guy towards 2022's class. That's just two scholarships. And we've talked about Jordan Moko. It feels like OSU typically tries to use all their scholarships every season. Um, you, they, uh, Gundy, and I, this is, I think it's a smart thing. They want to keep as close to that 85 scholarship limit as possible. Okay. Cause we've seen injuries. We see transfers with the transfer portal now more than ever. I think it's really important. Obviously offensive lineman with Moco is a big thing. If there's one, and we've talked about McCaskill, but is there any other position or, or player or recruit that you see Oklahoma state trying to go after um, with those last two scholarships? You know, it's probably going to be, you know, something that they maybe hold on to those two scholarships and wait until, you know, well after the season and look at, you know, what guys are going to leave. I mean, you talk about these super seniors again that could come back. That's all up in the air. I mean, nobody has really any clue um, what your big needs are going to be. Um, you know, you think about what they did last year, bringing in a bunch of guys from the portal. I mean, they brought in, I mean, what, four or five guys last year in the in the class that were from, you know, the transfer portal. Um, yeah, I mean, you, so know, you had D. Anderson, Tay Martin, you had um, Christian Holmes. Josh Sills. Josh Sills. Um, I think that's it. I feel like there's one more, but maybe that's it, yeah. Yeah. What? Mm, yeah, because Bullock doesn't count as that. that. That sounds right. Right. But, yeah, I mean – I think they used those last couple scholarships probably on, you know, guys from the transfer portal and it's probably not going to be anybody that's really on their radar until, you know, once all this is, is done and they evaluate what their biggest needs are, you know, come February then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's usually a good thing to keep an eye on is once you sit down, know what your roster is, maybe you wait until spring ball just to see how players are developing and where you might have a hole to fill. I mean, we've seen that all the time, guys, to get brought in in the summer because you've had a, a spring of evaluating and going, okay, we know we need it. We need somebody here. Um, so they'll bring in a guy. Uh, that's always the smartest thing to me is to save a couple. Um, it will be interesting to see if they're waiting till February and they believe that MoCo is going to come, how they kind of handle that situation. Because to me, they need you need one more offensive lineman. Um, depending upon what LD Brown does, I still think you might need one more running back. So it, it, it will be, it's very tight. And again, of course they can count things towards next season, but I think it'll be really interesting this year more than usual, just to see how they use those last two scholarships. 
Because look, Oklahoma State, I am not operating under the idea that any senior is going to utilize that extra year. I'm just not. I don't. I, I don't. I'm not sure about you, but I, I can't operate that way. It's way too confusing, and it's it's too hard to look to next season with like, oh well, they could have. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deal with that. Yeah, I mean, you could go through, especially as many you know productive seniors as Oklahoma State has this year. I mean, you could go through the entire defense almost and say well, this guy could come back, this guy could come back, you know, and, and raise their, you know, draft stock or whatever. But you get to that point, you're talking, you know, more than a dozen guys that could potentially come back. So, yeah, I mean, I like your, your thinking of it's better to operate as their seniors, they're gone. All right, to wrap things up here, I'm going I'm to put you on the spot here just, just for one question. Uh, Oklahoma State's always typically had a guy on the coaching staff that you just knew was their like lights out recruiter. Um, that Arroyo who just loaded the roster with running backs. Um, you had Josh Henson for a while, an offensive line who I thought was doing a really good job at this point. I'm not sure that there is a Arroyo on the roster. As far as the coaching staff goes, I am curious as someone who's around the team and follows recruiting. Who do you think is Oklahoma state's best recruiter? Man, that's a that's actually a really tough question. I mean, I think there's so many guys. I, you're right. There isn't one guy that just stands out like, oh, he's constantly bringing in, you know, four-star guys, you know, multiple four-star guys every class. Um, you know, I think it. you think about this class, you know, it's not a – how do I say this? It's, it's not a class that has, you know – like two guys at the top that really stand out that are way above the the rest. It's a very balanced class. So I think, you know, I think that speaks to the coaching staff as a whole um, being pretty even as far as recruiters, if that makes sense. Um, you know, cause there really isn't a, I mean, honestly, you could maybe say, you know, the defensive back coaches, um, you know, Dan Hammersmith, um, and uh, and Coach Duffy, I mean, you think about all the the different defensive backs that they brought in um, in this class. Those, I guess, would be the the two that would stand out as far as the the top recruiters for for this recruiting cycle, I guess. Yeah, I, I think I think I think it depends on your question. If you're just going for like brings in the most talented guys, I agree. I think Duffy is an underappreciated evaluator of talent, especially if you look at you know consistently the guys that they're bringing and developing like i mentioned aj green Williams this year jerick bernard converse looks like the next star for Oklahoma state as a, as a corner yeah I, I also think you know you have these guys that move around a lot so you know converse was a safety kobe harbour pill has been really good you know, they they brought in uh malcolm rodriguez who's a safety move to linebacker so i do think that the db coaches do a good job a really good job of evaluating and, and really developing i kind of wonder if I really wonder if my answer is, and I can't figure out which one, but is one of the two defensive line coaches, if it's Greg Richmond or if it's Joe Bob Clements. Um, because you look at some of the guys that have come in, obviously you've got in this class, the best guy in the class is Aiden Kelly, who's a defensive tackle. Um, you look at the guys they brought in in Trace Ford, 
Colin Clay, who they went after but didn't land, but then it, you know left Arkansas and now he's at Oklahoma State. You look at Israel Antoine, who they went after but couldn't get, but then he came over from Colorado. And I, and I kind of wonder if it's – I'm not sure which one is more responsible for some of these guys or if it's just the, the team effort of having two of them. I've been a little bit critical of the fact that Oklahoma State needs two defensive line coaches, which is a little bit crazy to me. But I, the way the way they recruit to some extent to me kind of justifies it. Right. I mean, you talk about – their defensive line is different because you have that that Leo position. Um, you know, you talk about Trace Ford, um, you know, the defensive end. Colin Oliver is going to basically be, you know, hopefully the next Trace Ford. Um, you know, that there's just that you've got your, your interior defensive linemen and then you've got your, um, you know, your ends and the, the Leo position and stuff like that, that, um, you know, they're, I think that's why you've got the, the the two different you know defensive line coaches there. Makes sense. Okay, Cody, you've been awesome. I know you've had a a long day, both covering recruiting, uh, covering the Oklahoma State basketball game that I don't want to talk about, so we're not going to uh, because I'm petty like that. Uh, <laughs> Cody, you do a great job at twenty four seven at Go Pokes covering Oklahoma State recruiting. I honestly. You're, you are a fantastic follow. I, I can't say that enough. Well, I appreciate that. Always a great DM, so let me say that as well. Uh, but, Cody, for everybody who wants to follow the work that you guys do covering Oklahoma State recruiting, where can they do so? So I guess you can follow us. Well, first go to gopokes.com. Um, you know, we've got a uh, – always have a one month um, for $1, $1 uh, VIP membership. Um, you know, if you want to check out the, the VIP stuff that we've got um, – Otherwise, on Twitter, you can follow us at uh, OKState247. And my Twitter handle is CodyNagle247. So so definitely give me a follow and and come check out what we got. Everybody go follow Go Pokes. Go follow Cody here. You you will not regret it. Great coverage of Oklahoma State recruiting. I think it's the best at 24-7. That's my opinion. Um, Everyone is entitled to their own opinions, but that's fine. Uh, And, Cody, keep up the great work, and we'll talk to you again soon, bud. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate you having me.